Could the Marlins be a good trade partner for the New York Mets to add starting pitching? I'll discuss that as well as David Stern's comments to the media on today's edition of Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. In the first segment today, I will be talking about the latest comments from Mets President of Baseball Operations, David Stearns, as he had the introductory press conference for Harrison Bader and Luis Severino and also did a podcast where he gave some interesting answers. So go through all of that stuff. Then in the final two segments, I'll be talking about the Miami Marlins as a trade partner with the Mets to potentially get another starting pitcher for their rotation. Before we get to any of it, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Run on new customers. Get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. It's $150, win or lose. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. We're going to spend a lot of time during the show today talking about the Mets and Marlins as potential trade partners to give the Mets a little more starting pitching. But before we get into that, there was an introductory press conference today. No, it was not as exciting as the Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer press conferences of the past, even Brandon Nimmo coming back or Kodai Senga coming on. But it was free agent signings to be announced. Nonetheless, Luis Severino and Harrison Bader were introduced to the New York media or reintroduced to the New York media. It was good to see them talk. I don't really have any big takeaways from what we heard. These are two bounce back candidates, guys that if they're at the absolute peak, both health and production wise, they're going to be unbelievable assets to this team that could really help them you know, compete and, and be a playoff team. They also come with major risks, both injuries and performance-related risks. So I, it's hard to be swayed too much in a press conference. I, I will say that Harrison Bader, just when it comes to his personality, he really shone through, uh, You know, cracking jokes, saying all the right things. I think he's going to be a real fan favorite, but that's, of course, if he doesn't bat like 180. You know, The guy's got a hit. To, to really uh, you know, capture a fan base. I think right now fans are going to love him. I think if you watch the press conference, that was probably the number one takeaway. But we can't be swayed too much with what this guy says to some media members. we got to see him do it on the field. Still, though, what today was really was a, a great opportunity to get David Stearns in front of the media, answering questions, seeing where the Mets are at with their offseason. And not only did he have this press conference, he also went, on uh, the show, as I believe what it's called for the New York Post, the podcast hosted by Joel Sherman and John Heyman. And he spoke with them at length too. And a lot of the answers sort of overlapped, but there were some really interesting ones. And particularly, I want to start with what I think is the biggest news item of the day, I think. And I didn't even hear it until about 15 minutes ago. And I also should acknowledge that I first saw it from one of our Locked On Mets insiders. For those of you who aren't aware, this is our texting service where you can send me a message anytime. I send out my updates. Uh, I shared my thoughts throughout the press conference today. 
but I, I was you know, logging into subtext before I recorded the show and somebody said, uh, you know, Drew Gilbert's going to start the year in AAA and then gave me a link to the show with Sherman and Heyman, which I was actually funny enough listening to at the exact same time. I hadn't gotten to the Drew Gilbert part, but I finally did. And it was where David Stearns was sort of talking about the talent in the system, talking about Jet Williams, talking about Luis and Helicuna. And he got to Drew Gilbert and it was almost a throwaway line, but he said, you know, Drew Gilbert, really exciting outfielder, plays a great center field. He's going to start the year in AAA. Wow. <laughs> kind of a big note. And Sherman and Heyman, I don't know if they didn't pick up on it. I didn't see them tweet it out. I thought it was pretty newsworthy. So I, I sent out a tweet about it. But uh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, Drew Gilbert, you can make an argument. He's the best prospect in this system. To me, it's either him or Jet Williams. Every day, I kind of go back and forth on which one I like more. But I would say right now, because Jet still sort of caught between being an infielder and an outfielder, I view Drew Gilbert as the best outfield prospect in this system, bar none. And now he's one stop away in AAA. And, you know, he was great in AA when he got traded from the Astros to the Mets and the Verlander deal. Down the stretch, he played awesome. That was kind of different than what we saw from Luis and Helicuna. And even Ryan Clifford, who was also in that deal from the Astros. Those guys kind of struggled post trade. Gilbert just took off. And he had been taking off previously in the Astros AA and, you know, had started off slow got acclimated, got his feet wet, and was you know, swinging the bat really well when he got traded, and that just carried over. So now he's got 95 games played in AA. They're going to move him along to AAA. And I know I did see a comment on my tweet just asking about the competition in AA compared to AAA. Why not keep him where there's more talent? Because at times that is sort of the um, the the narrative that gets out there, that AA has all the talent. AAA is the taxi squad. And while he will be going to an extremely hitter-friendly environment in Syracuse, what I do think is different between those two leagues is in Double A, you know, these top prospects are going to be pitching to their strengths. They're not necessarily going to be game planning as much and pitching to a hitter's weakness. In Triple A, you get a lot of guys who are coming up and down from the big leagues who are more experienced, who are gonna really look into scouting reports and try to find those weaknesses and exploit them. So I think it's a different type of pitching he's going to face. I think that's a good experience for Drew Gilbert. And, and ultimately, again, he's close now. So you know, you're trying to figure out this outfield situation. Are the Mets going to have enough bats? Hey, there's every chance that Starling Marte ends up on the IL early in the season or uh, Bader and Taylor aren't hitting, whatever it is. Drew Gilbert could be on his way up, but before the deadline even, it could be an impact player for the Mets. So that was, I think, the most exciting piece of news we saw today. Everything else was sort of confirmation of all the other stuff we've been talking about. Um, you know, David Stern spoke a lot about giving young players opportunities. So in, in reference to third base, again, he's more along the line of thinking, let's give the young guys a shot. So that means Brett Beatty probably going to have a pretty long leash to play. And he even said that uh, to Sherman and Heyman, where he straight up said, you know, we need to let this guy go out there and play and, and see what he has. They have to learn about the young players in the organization. He also mentioned that when referencing DH candidates and also starting pitchers. So I, I think that's a real philosophy this year. As much as they want to try to win, they're going to put their best foot forward to have a competitive team. They want to see the kids. And they also like the idea of cycling players through the DH spot. So whether that's Mark Vientos, DJ Stewart, Starling Marte getting off his feet in the outfield, they have a lot of guys who can be the DH. And if they were to sign a traditional J.D. Martinez type, who's going to be the DH for 140 games if he's healthy, 
that would really clog up some of their flexibility to give some of the young players playing time to move guys around to keep guys healthy. And ultimately it feels like they prefer to just keep that spot open. Let it be a competition. The best back gets it. And Vientos would sort of be the guy they'd want to earn it because he's the one that they want to learn the most about at this stage. Uh, the bullpen, he did not commit to saying the Mets are going to add a high leverage reliever. He did talk a lot about the cycle of bullpen arms, how it's going to evolve for the best bullpens throughout a season. What the bullpen's going to be in April and May is a lot different than what it'll end up at in August and September. And, you know, I think he was sort of referencing the fact that maybe there's a guy you don't know about in April who by September is an amazing reliever that has made a name for himself. So I, I think that is sort of in line with what we saw this offseason, all the different signs they've made. They just made another minor league signing today that maybe I'll reference on another show later this week because we're just a little pressed for time. But a guy that pitched uh, for Team Puerto Rico, got up to 99, um, didn't have the best numbers overall in the big leagues, but I think did have success in the Braves farm system last year. So just another one of these guys, right, that's going to get into the competition in spring training and, and see what happens with that uh, bullpen. Lastly, the starting rotation. David Stearns multiple times said the Mets are never going to turn down an opportunity to get more pitching, particularly more starting pitching. They do like what they've added. They think they have good depth. They like their pitching prospects in the upper levels. But if they have a chance to add more pitching, they might still jump on it. And that's what leads me to the big topic of today's show. I wrote an article for JustBaseball.com where I really dove into the trade fit between the Mets and the Marlins. The Mets have a farm system littered with position players. The Marlins have young pitchers at the big league level that could be expendable. So can these two sides meet up on a trade? We're talking about that throughout the rest of the show. Before we get to any of it, though, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life. But can we talk just a minute about preparing for tough situations? Whether you're on extended travel, you're bracing for a major weather event, if you're limited by yet another supply shortage, you are covered with Jace Medical. Thanks to our partners, you can get life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications that can be ordered in a one-year supply. Even ED generics like Cialis or Viagra. And Jace Medical has the Jace case, which is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, amongst others. This stuff could happen to any of us. You want to make sure you're prepared. So visit jacemedical.com, complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispersed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com, use offer code Locked On to get $20 off your order. Now, why would the Miami Marlins trade some of their young starting pitching to the New York Mets when they're coming off a playoff berth? That team was awesome last year. They had a really fun season. Kim Ang put together a great roster, and it had Luis Arise, who was the batting title champ, and Jorge Soler had a big year. Jazz Chisholm actually looked decent in center field when he could get onto the field and play and was healthy. They made some big moves at the deadline for Jake Berger and Josh Bell, and those guys are holdovers for the season. So. They were a team on the rise, but it does feel like they're taking a step back. 
have not spent a dime in free agency. Kim Ang is gone, and Peter Bendix has taken over as the new president of baseball operations. He was the GM for the Rays. Now he's running things for the Marlins and trying to take some of that Rays mentality a little bit further south, which means not paying guys when they're in arbitration. That's that's one side of it, right? It also means replenishing a farm system that really needs it. So this would be the time for them to make trades, and that's why Jesus Lazardo has all of a sudden seen his name out there as a potential trade candidate, even though he has three years left to team control, because with those three years of team control, the Marlins can look at Lazardo and say, hey, we got the best pitcher on the market right now. You want Dylan C's coming off a down year? We have Jesus Lazardo coming off the season where he pitched to a 3.58 ERA. He made all 32 starts. He had a 178 and two-third innings pitch. He struck out 28.1% of the batters he faced. He led the team in F4 at 3.7, so that's really solid. I know it's just baseball. We're ranking our top 20 pitchers. Lazardo is going to make that list. I think personally I had him at 17. We're all going to collaborate and make our official list as a company, but I think there's a decent chance he's a top 20 starting pitcher in baseball right now, and that's also coming off of a 2022 season where he started to show the glimpse of this, right? In 2022, he pitched to a 3-3-2 ERA and 103rd innings pitched. So there is no doubt about it. The Mets wanted to really become a contender. Go out and get Hazel Cesardo. The problem is there's a lot of teams who could be interested in Hazel Cesardo, and the Marlins, quite frankly, should keep him. I am a South Florida guy myself. I'm a Mets fan. My dad uh, was born and raised in New Jersey, so he made me a Mets fan. Uh, but I have lived in South Florida my entire life. Uh, Jesus Lizardo went to Stoneman Douglas. That was originally going to be the high school I went to until we moved like a town over. But I have known about Jesus Lizardo for a long time. I know that he still lives in Parkland, um, which is actually where I grew up as well. And he grew up in Marlins fan. He would love to just be a Marlin, and they should approach him for a contract extension and pair him with Sandy Alcantara for years to come. But Peter Bendix could be cold about this. And he can look at his best trade asset and flip him. But if he does that, there's going to be a lot of teams interested. And as we'll get into the mock trades in the next segment, I don't know if the Mets are the best fit to swing that type of a blockbuster. But there's other arms, okay? They have Braxton Garrett, who has five years of team control and is just a really good starting pitcher. Over the last two seasons, he's made 47 starts and pitched to a 3.63 ERA. I don't think the Marlins are going to trade him, though. Because again, he has five years of control. So he's still pre-arb. He's cheap next season. He's a dependable starting pitcher. I think they'll hang on to him. Then you get to Edward Cabrera and Trevor Rogers. And this is where I really think the Mets could swing a trade. Because these guys are inconsistent, which makes them more expendable for the Marlins. But they also have flashed some brilliance. And, and there's a lot of control the Mets could still get if they acquired either of them. For Cabrera, it's five years of team control. For Rodgers, it's three years of team control, which makes him the most likely to be dealt, I believe, because he's in those arbitration years already, about to make $1.5 million. That's not crazy, but if he went out and had a great year, he's only going to cost more, and he's the closest to free agency. So I think Rodgers is the most likely to be dealt. And remember, this guy was unbelievable in 2021. If you want to rewind a couple of years to old episodes of Locked On Mets, I was raving about Trevor Rodgers because he just looked unhittable at times. The guy pitched to a 2.64 ERA and 25 stars. He was runner-up to Jonathan India for the Rookie of the Year. I probably would have voted for Rodgers if I had one. 
just a nasty starting pitcher. Then 2022 comes around and he lost it. He had a 5-4-7 ERA, the walks ballooned. He dealt with injuries, uh, a lat injury that ended his 2022 season. Those injuries followed him into 2023, only made four starts at the big league level due to a biceps injury. So there is some injury risk here, but he's got a lot of upside. So, so I think Rogers is probably my favorite of these options. Obviously, Lizardo as a pitcher in a vacuum, I, I love it. But when we get to the Montridge, you'll see why I think the cost you know, sort of pushes him out of the Mets market. Rodgers, I think you could put together a competitive package where you could get him and he could just filter right into your mix, right? He's not guaranteed a starting spot on this team, but I think if he's healthy, he'd push Hauser out of there. Um, he, he's kind of similar to David Peterson, but he'll start the season healthy. And I think his peak is probably a little bit higher than what David Peterson can be. I think Peterson at his best is a, a three. And that's his absolute best, and more likely it is you know a four or a five. I think Rogers at his absolute peak could be a number two, but you know he also has the the downside of of also being a back end arm. Then there's Edward Cabrera. I, I don't want to let Cabrera fall through the cracks here because again, there's five years of control. In some respects, that would be the guy to get because you'd have him for so long, and he'd still be so cheap. He's a pre arb guy. That's why the Marlins could consider keeping him. But also, they sent him down last year because the walks got out of control. And I think they would actually be pretty comfortable moving him. I, I, I imagine that they like Rogers' upside more. They have Max Mayer, who's coming off the Tommy John surgery that he had. He should be healthy this year so he can fit right into that Cabrera splot, splot, that Cabrera slot in the rotation. And uh, I don't know. I, I feel like he might be a guy they'd be pretty interested in moving. but. He also did have a great 2022 season. He pitched to a 3.01 ERA and 14 starts and 71 and two-third innings pitched. And even last year where he wasn't great, and there was a point in July where he only pitched 10 innings that month, but he walked 11 batters and only struck out nine. So the walks ballooned on him multiple times. Even with all those walks, he still pitched to a 4.24 ERA in a down year. His walk rate went from 11% to over 15%. So that was pretty drastic, and yet he still was able to keep that ERA down. Uh, he's got a great changeup. He's got a, a fastball. He still averages over 96 miles per hour, a good curveball. He gets whiffs on both the changeup and the curveball over 36% of the time. I'd love either Cabrera or Rogers. I'd also, of course, love Lazardo. I'm going to get to all the different mock drafts or mock drafts, mock trades that I made for these three guys. We'll talk about it in just a minute. First, though, another word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is here, which makes it the perfect time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's $150, win or lose. The app is so easy to use. There's so many different ways that you can bet. You got live same-game parlays. You could also go to the Parlay Hub. So you can find popular parlays and you can just jump right in on one of those. You can bet on over-unders for the top stars in the game. So if you're watching the NBA any given night, you can bet on that star player to hit the over on points. And for his team to win, you can combine that in a parlay. There's just a lot of different ways that you can play over at FanDuel. And remember, you place that $5 bet, you're going to get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed win or lose. 
It's the FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We are now at the best part of the episode, Mock Trades. I have created a trade for each of those three pitchers that we discussed. Jesus Cesardo, Edward Cabrera, and Trevor Rogers. And I didn't just do this by myself. I consulted Arm Layton, who is uh, the co-founder of JustBaseball.com. He writes the best top 100 prospect list out there and also the best one that's not behind a paywall. So you can find that over at JustBaseball.com. He does a great job at being able to evaluate prospects and to tell me really if these trades were fair. He's also a Marlins fan. So it's good to kind of have a push and pull on this. Here are the three trades that we came up with, right? Marlins trade Hazel Cesardo to the Mets for Jet Williams, Ryan Clifford, and Mike Vassell. Now that is three blue chip prospects, at least two blue chip prospects. You might not call Mike Vassell a blue chip prospect, but he is sort of fringe top 10 in this system. And some would argue he's the best pitching prospect in this system. I think that that title goes to Christian Scott. But still, you're giving up an arm in this deal that would have full control in the future. You're giving up maybe your best prospect overall in Jet Williams and Ryan Clifford, who you got in that Astros deal for Justin Verlander, who might have the most exciting power potential in the farm system. And to me, it's too steep. Not to say that it's not fair, because if the Marlins really want to trade Jesus Cesardo, and they get the Orioles on the phone, and the Orioles are serious about trying to win this year, and they look at Luzardo as a guy that can slide into the two spot in their rotation, um, or even you know be you know, co-aces with Kyle Bradish, whatever it is, like is, they're going to pay a lot. Three years of cheap team control, and they have a really deep farm system. The Dodgers have a really deep farm system. The Yankees have a deep enough farm system to put together a compelling package. You're going to have to give up a, a really good guy, and because the Mets – are still a little top heavy in their farm. You can't just, you know, put together a list of four guys in the seven to 15 range in your system and get a deal like this done without including one of the top three in this system, which, you know, we put Jet Williams in this deal. It could have been Luisa Helicuna or Drew Gilbert. To me, it doesn't really matter. The only way that I would do this trade is if it was Acuna, um, but the Mets just invested a lot of money to acquire him. So, for me, I just think that Jet Williams is a better version of what Acuna could be as well. Um, I think they both bring a lot of value on the base pass with their athleticism uh, defensively, but Jet's going to get on base at a higher clip. So I like him a lot more as a prospect. Still, though, even Acuna with Clifford included, I'm kind of you know concerned about making that deal just because I don't know if the Mets are Hazel Cesardo away from actually being a viable contender this year. So you're probably better off letting things play out and hanging on to your prospects. Unless you could swing a deal for one of these other guys that doesn't require that level of a prospect going back the other way. So Edward Cabrera, five years of control. Remember that. That is expensive to get a starting pitcher with upside with five years of control. So in this deal, it's Ronnie Mauricio going to the Marlins. He has the chance to be their you know, shortstop of the future. He obviously tore his ACL. He's not going to help the Mets this season. The Marlins can be patient. They can wait on him because he's going to have those years of control that are going to come cheap. That's what they need. Um, he'd be 
I don't want to, you know, trash the Marlins farm system and say that he'd be the top prospect in their system, but I look at their system. He might be, but for the Mets, Mauricio's a little more expendable. And you're you're essentially making this trade, swapping him for Cabrera. It's not that alone, though, because Cabrera, again, is healthy with five years of control. You got to add more to it, but that's the piece that hurts. The other two guys don't hurt as much. It's Tyler Stewart, who did have a great season last year. Don't get me wrong. He was leading the minor leagues in ERA for a long time. Um, so you're trading a pitcher with some promise, but you know how good could he be? Is he ever going to be as good of a pitcher as Edward Cabrera is right now with the type of stuff that Cabrera has? I don't necessarily think so. He doesn't have the pitch mix that Cabrera does, and Cabrera has done it you know, to success at the big league level. So I, I wouldn't use that to hold up a trade. And then it's Matt Ruddick. Now, the fact that Arm wanted Matt Ruddick makes me a little concerned because you know, why did he want this guy? Uh, he's a little further down the Mets' top prospect list, but he did put up really good numbers in AA, high on base percentage. Um, good OPS, like he had a nice year. He's older. I believe he's 25 years old. It's not a guy that you lose sleep over when you're trading though. So I think for the Marlins, maybe a fourth outfielder type for them. Um, and that outfield could be pretty thin. So I see it on their side. I don't know if I'd even pull the trigger on that one myself though. Um, I love the control that Cabrera brings. His stuff is really promising, but the walks concern me. The guy had to get option last year, um, down to AAA. I don't know if I'd make that deal either. I, I don't, um, which leads me to my final trade. And it's one that, you know, I, I think I, I would probably do because of how much I like Trevor Rogers upside. But again, that's where making trades right now for prospects to, to add a pitcher might not be the best course of action for this team. Cause it could be better to just see what you have in house and wait to swing deals at the deadline at the earliest. But here's the package we came up with. Ryan Clifford is the one that really hurts. But remember, he's in high A and he struck out a ton. I love the upside with the power. But if he strikes out 35% of the time this year, he's not going to be a top 10 prospect anymore, or he, he could fall you know, pretty low down that list. So there is definite risk in his profile, even though I love them when the Mets traded for him. Then you have Dominic Camel and Jose Budo. Now, Hamill is a, a, a pitching prospect that you know, I talked about at length recently. I think he's good. I think there's real reliever risk, though. Um, he could make it as a starter. He has a lot of pitches. I think he needs to actually consolidate his arsenal a little bit, find out you know, what works best, and ultimately that could lead him to just being a guy that comes out of the bullpen fastball slider. Uh, a good arm. But Trevor Rogers has the potential to actually be an impact arm that could really swing your season this year. Budo is a death piece. Um, I, I like Jose Budo in that role. I, I think he could provide the Mets with solid innings over the next three years. I also think he could get DFA'd at some point in the next three years and not ever have a big impact on this roster. He's got a good changeup, but he has sort of a limited ceiling where I think maybe swingman is the most likely outcome fifth starter is probably the best you're going to get. So you're giving up two guys in, in Hamill and Budo who don't have the highest upside for a guy that has a lot of upside. And then you're trading Ryan Clifford, uh, a guy that has, you know, immense upside, but a risky floor potentially. Now there was another trade that I originally pitched um, arm for Trevor Rogers, which was Kevin Parada going back. Now there's some Mets fans that still love Parada as a prospect. 
He's now their top catching prospect with Alvarez having graduated. I'm not a big fan. Um, I, I, he hasn't had a lot of success over the past year. He got blown up in the Arizona fall league. So I just don't know what Parada is going to be. And then Alex Ramirez. So you're kind of trading two guys who were once considered really great prospects who have fallen off a bit. And from arms perspective, he said, no way he would take that deal. That's where, you know, we're also along with today's show, I'm working on an article for the site. So we had to come to terms on this one. That's why we ended up with the Clifford package, which I think of the three is the one I'm the most comfortable with. It would suck to give up Ryan Clifford, but I wouldn't lose sleep about giving up Hamill or Budo. And Trevor Rogers would be a really exciting pitcher to add to the mix this year. Um, but I could be talked into the Cabrera package as well. And I think those prospects could probably be interchangeable. Like, you could get Trevor Rogers for Ronnie Mauricio if you wanted to hang on to Clifford. But to me, I don't know if I would trade Mauricio in a Rogers deal because you're trading, you know, six years of control for three years of control. At least with Cabrera, you're getting five years of control back if you give up, give up on Mauricio. And Mauricio, at least at this point, is a high probability big leaguer. Ryan Clifford is not that yet. So anyway, those are my three mock trades. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, if I throw a poll up uh, today where you can look at all three, vote on which one you think is the best. Let me know in the comments uh, which one you think is the best if you hate them all. Um, I'm totally all ears on all of that. Also, uh, please hit that subscribe button. i uh, trying to get to 8,000 subs, so appreciate all of you who subscribe. If you're listening on the audio side, follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. If you want to be a Locked On Mets insider, you can find that link in the episode description. And that you made it to the end of the show. Check out the first ever 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube covering everything in the world of sports. And that is Locked On Sports Today with, with our local host for each team and our league-wide host for each league. You can find Locked On Sports Today streaming 24-7 on YouTube.